0: Welcome to the Wild and Free podcast, episode 63. I'm Ainsley Arment, and this week, Cindy Rollins talks about the meaning of motherhood.
1: You are providing them with something unbelievably wonderful. You can smile. It's okay. I know you feel burdened down. I know that you feel like it's all on you. But if you will smile... Your family will be drawn to you and love you, and it won't really matter what curriculum you pick out.
0: Plus, we released our new book, Handcrafts, this month. We'll tell you what's inside.
1: So grab a cup of coffee
0: and join us on the front porch. Let's get started. Here lies the childhood pastime of play. Oh, we don't mind play so long as it comes after the work and doesn't hinder our child's academic progress. We're okay with play as long as it doesn't affect their test scores. Yes, play is just fine as long as our children's education comes first. What have we done to childhood? Just as the frog in the pot doesn't feel the temperature slowly rising, families have been slow to sense the increasing pressures heaped upon their kids in education. We press into their childhoods in the same way we increase our time on the treadmill or apply more rigorous standards in the workplace. Before we know it, our children are left without a childhood. David Sobel wrote, we want our children to splash in mud puddles, but we also want them to score well on those first grade entrance evaluations. And deep down, we want our children to go to good colleges, and therefore, it's never too early to get them on the right path. It doesn't seem to matter that research shows that social and emotional readiness in a child produces better academic achievement in the future. In fact, a study conducted by the University of North Florida found that children who attended academically-driven preschools had lower grades by the end of fourth grade than those who attended play-based preschools. As a result, researchers revealed that early academic instruction may actually slow down learning if it's presented before children are developmentally ready for it. In other words, bring back the mud puddles. They're more valuable to a child's development than we think. We've got it stuck in our heads that if it doesn't look like work and act like work, then it must not be productive at all. But what if play were essential to preparing a child for academic success? What if children's natural desire to be carefree were critical for developing their potential? In their book, Lens on Outdoor Learning, Wendy Banning and Ginny Sullivan shared that children's self-directed outdoor play provides opportunities for developing initiative, persistence, invention, and problem solving. The foundations of academic success. I get it. It feels counterproductive to let kids be kids. Especially when everyone else is putting their children in prestigious schools and full-day kindergartens and upholding a rigorous schedule with advanced math, foreign languages, and private tennis lessons. But don't be fooled by the folly of the do more mentality. Kids fly farther, faster, when given a childhood full of play. Vince Galman wrote, if you trust play, you will not have to control your child's development as much. Play will raise the child in ways you can never imagine. Peter Gray agreed when he wrote, Play is nature's way of teaching children how to solve their own problems, control their impulses, modulate their emotions, see from others' perspectives, negotiate differences, and get along with others as equals. There is no substitute for play as a means of learning these skills. They can't be taught in school. For life in the real world, these lessons of personal responsibility, self-control, and sociability are far more important than any lessons that can be taught in school. What a scandalous realization that play is actually good for children. That plenty of free time, even boredom, prepares them for the future. That time to dream and explore on their own, without agenda, without schedule, molds their character and makes them better adults. Long live Childhood. We'll hear from Cindy Rollins in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you about our new book, Handcrafts, which just released this month. St. Francis of Assisi said, He who works with his hands is a laborer. He who works with his hands and his head is a craftsman. He who works with his hands and his head and his heart is an artist. As a mama, I want to encourage my children to be artists which is why handcrafts are so important in our house. A handcraft is any activity that engages one's hands, requires a level of learned skill, encourages children to do their best work, and produces an end product that is useful. A few examples are woodworking, sewing, crocheting, leather tooling, pottery, quilting, or knitting. Our new book is a collection of handcrafts that has been created by the Wild and Free community and tested by families with kids who range in ages, interests, and geographic locations. Organized by season, these crafts are designed to be undertaken throughout the year, filled with the same lush photography as The Call of the Wild and Free. This book includes instructions for how to do each project, step-by-step photos, and essays on the usefulness and purpose of handcrafts. To learn more about this helpful resource, visit bewildandfree.org handcrafts. Cindy Rollins is the author of Mere Motherhood. She homeschooled her nine children for over 30 years. Her heart's desire is to encourage moms with a special concern for those raising sons. She lives in Chattanooga, Tennessee with her husband, Tim, dog, Max, and however many children happen to be at home. She spoke at our Wild and Free conference in Franklin, Tennessee about the meaning of motherhood. We can't wait to share this talk with you. Let's listen in.
1: This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Way more fun than I'm used to. So you're you're gonna have to be patient with me as as I try to you know break out of years of oppression and. <laughs> um, when I, I went to my son's house recently, and um, he had an old homeschool friend over visiting, and I who who I knew had family in Franklin, and I said I'm gonna be going to Franklin to speak soon and and they both said, oh, are you speaking to homeschool moms? And I said, yeah, I'm going to be at the Wild and Free Conference. Well they both just burst out laughing (laughs) and I said, what's so funny? And they said, well, homeschooling moms sure have changed since we were kids. (laughs) And you definitely have, (laughs) thank the Lord. But we still, I think we still buy a lot of books, is that true? Yeah, yeah, so. Um, Two years ago, we had to place my dad in skilled care. Skilled care is what we call um, nursing homes nowadays. So for the first two weeks, we all felt so terrible that he was in this place that we decided to go visit him and stay with him every day. If if you know what it's like when you walk into a nursing home, it's... If you haven't been in a while, it's just an assault on your, your senses. It's a, an assault on your sight. There's people slumped over as you walk down the halls in their wheelchairs. It's, a, it's an assault on the, your, your hearing. You hear these moans and cries, and you just want to help people. And it's a, an assault on um, your, your smell. The, the odors are an assault as, as people come to the end of their lives. Um, this is all part of the cycle of life. And it can be much a very, very difficult thing. Even after two years, it's still, when I walk in there, I get a little... But those first two weeks were so terrible that I just tried to pretend like there weren't any sights or sounds or smells at the nursing home. I just put my blinders on and went in my dad's room and just sat there hunkered down, trying not to think of where I was or what was going on. Well, in spite of that, every morning when I walked into the nursing home... A, a, lay, a really old lady in her 80s would, would stop me and she'd say, you look pretty today. Or the next day, that's a nice necklace you have on. Or that's a pretty shirt. Well, finally, about the fourth or fifth day, I, I was starting to adjust and come out of myself a little bit. And I said, um, what is your name? And she said, my name is Rosie. Rosie. And I thought to myself, well, of course that's your name, because here you are just so cheerful and happy in this really difficult place. Well, the the most interesting thing about Rosie turned out to be that she lived in the nursing home with her mother, which I could not fathom. I'm like, how old is her mother? (laughs) So finally, one day, I saw her mother, and her mother was very alert and and pretty normal. And I said to her, I said, your daughter Rosie is the happiest person I've ever met in my life. And her mother looked at me and she did exactly what you or I would have done in that situation. She beamed with joy over the fact that someone loved her daughter. and, and, And she started to tell me what a wonderful person Rosie was and while she was talking, I was thinking, what the heck is this thing called motherhood? What have we got ourselves into? When we're 100 years old, we are still going to be <laughs> mothers. <laughs> and, and we're still going to love our children. Um, once you're a mother, by whatever means you become a mother, um, you're, you're in it for the long haul. So... So that's why we're here. We're here because we are in this for the long haul. We're here because mothers build nests for their children. And and, and I imagine that all of you are trying to build a better nest for your child. I, You know, I get kind of shocked when people invite me to conferences and ask me to talk. And then all the sweet moms come up and say, oh, I loved your book. Or you're, you know, encourage me. Thank you for saying this. Thank you for saying that. Because... You know, I could, I could just be an old lady who disappears, and yet you guys are so sweet to continue to listen to the older moms and let us keep talking about our days as raise, with raising our children. And we really, really appreciate that. Um, but you're right now, you're in the thick of it. You are building your nests. And, but the thing about the nest is, and it's not the happiest thing, is that the nestlings become fledglings. And then the fledglings fly away <laughs> they become they they want to go build their own nest and that is a per, that is the actual natural way it should happen you all are in the midst of building a nest because you came from a nest and your parents modeled for you a nest and that is the wonderful way that it works but when i was a young woman i could not understand what this thing was what people would go around talking they would talk about an empty nest syndrome and I thought, that is so absurd. Why would middle-aged women get all depressed um, when their kids leave home? I, because when you're young, the idea of leaving home is the most wonderful thing you can think of. <laughs> it's not that you don't love your mom and dad. You just, you just wanna be your own person. I think they call that differentiation and it's a wonderful thing. But when you're the mom who's built the nest and, and the nestlings start to fly, it, it can be very, very dramatic for you. As a matter of fact, all of us here are in a season of life, one way or the other, and we're all moving from one season to the next. And the thing about our life seasons is that we've never been in this season before, and we don't know how to do it, and, and, and we're just going to try to do our best, and sometimes we're going to get it right, and sometimes we're going to get it wrong, and um, that's how the seasons of life go. Many of you are entering the season, you're having to say goodbye to the last season, that season called sleeping through the night. <laughs> and you're having to say hello to the new season of nursing a little baby all through the midnight hours. Now, I did not like that season very much when I first started having children. Do you know that by the time I had my seventh and eighth children, that was my very favorite thing in the world? to sit up in the middle of the night and and look at this little baby eye to eye and to have a relationship with this person. Um, You know, my kids might be all grown up and stuff, but I cannot forget those moments that I had with them. And maybe your mom can't forget the moments she had with you either. (laughs) So uh, one of my messages today is to be kind to the old moms. (laughs) Um, But... But we, we all have seasons of life that we're in, and handling the seasons we're in with grace is one of the unique things that women are called to do. Now, some women, at, when you first start out, the seasons are nice and orderly, but as things go, they start tumbling upon one another, and suddenly you look up one day, and have who's been to a wedding where the bride or groom's mother was actually pregnant? Um, you know, that's kind of... that's. <laughs> That's one of those awkward double seasons that <laughs> that come along in homeschooling families. <laughs> and, and and I happen to be in a double season right now, which I find very difficult. I'm caring for my aging parents while I'm trying to get my last my youngest son who's 17 through his last year of high school. He doesn't need me a whole lot, but when I'm with my parents, I feel guilty that I'm not with my son. And when I'm with my son, I feel guilty that I'm not with my parents. And as we're going to see later on, guilt isn't a very good motivation. It really doesn't help. One thing is, I probably think a little too highly, more highly of myself than I ought. Everybody doesn't need me quite as much as I think they do. <laughs> but um, that, is, that is one way that I'm navigating these seasons of life. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the things, I thought, instead of getting all philosophical with you, because I have a tendency to just dive down the philosophical well, that I would talk to you instead about some of the things um, I did well during my season of homeschooling and some of the things I did badly. So I thought I'll tell tell you two things I did well and two things I did badly, but I'm going to kind of mix it up so it's not all depressing all at one moment. (laughs) One time I did blog through 10 things I did wrong in my homeschool, and I really, I got depressed after that for about three or four months, it was like, this is horrible, I made all these awful mistakes, um, and I've I genuinely made them, but you know what? All of my children, seven of my children are married. They're building their own nests. We have babies. We have 10 grandchildren. We have like five or six grand dogs. So it's okay. I did make some mistakes, but it, it's all turned out okay. So I thought um, I would tell you these things. So I'm going to start with the first, with a positive. Um, the best, perhaps the best thing I ever did as a homeschooling mom was that I accidentally started having morning time with my oldest son 34 years ago. Um, what I mean by that is he would wake up in the morning, he was four years old, and he was doing his little Bible verses from Awana. And I, so we started doing that as a regular thing, and then we started adding to that. So then we added some some uh, poetry to our time together, and we added some hymn singing to our time together. And then we we added some uh, other reading aloud He started wanting me to read chapter books when he was four, and I, well, I just started reading them because I was kind of interested in them, but he was interested too. And so we read one after the other, and I think we counted up like 30 books, 30 chapter books. We read that very first year of just Timothy and I starting this little thing called Morning Time. Well, I always thought that Morning Time was for my children, but you know, my kids have all grown up, and I still get up every morning and have kind of a little morning time with myself. I read my Bible, and then I have a time of reading some other things. And, I, and, and then I do a logic puzzle. I've added logic puzzles to morning time <laughs> to keep the old brain going. <laughs> and and, it's, and, it, and it, it really hit home to me that morning time was not just for my children. Morning time was for me. The, the, the cool thing is that while my children were in my homeschool for varying amounts of time. You know, if you want to count from when they're born to when they're 18 or when they're, you know, the 12 years of schooling. But I've been in the homeschool 34 years. So now I'm officially smarter than all of my kids. (laughs) But they don't agree with that. But, But I am. So... So morning time turned out to be this great thing that we did. And you know, even though eventually morning time kind of stretched to two, two and a half hours in my home, and honestly, looking back, I do not regret one minute of the time that I spent in morning time. And I even think, well, I wish we could have done more in morning time. Uh, recently with the little guy, I, I teach other people's children, I homeschool other people's children now, and one, the little guy I'm teaching was reading Caddy Woodlawn, and he was struggling with the book. And I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we time you while you read a chapter of Caddy Woodlawn? So he, he liked that idea. He's a boy, and that sounded fun to him. So he read very well, and it took him five minutes to read one chapter of Caddy Woodlawn. And I started thinking about that. If, if the average book had 18 chapters, and you had 180 school days a year, and you read aloud for five minutes a day you would basically be reading aloud to your family 10 books a year. And if you did that for 12 years, you would have read 120 books out loud to your children. Now, when I look at book lists now, I never have to feel guilty because we read aloud a lot. And because of that, I don't feel any tinges of like, oh, I wish we read this book, I wish we read this book, because mostly we've read most of the really, really good books. But I didn't start that by reading 120 books. We started it by just getting up every morning and reading for five minutes a day. And then we started reading for 10 minutes a day and then 15. Um, But if you wanna start something in your family, the best way to start is in very little increments because it's not your big plans that are going to make your homeschool. It is the little things that you do faithfully year after year after year that are going to add up to an education and a life for your child. Um, One of my sons um, came to me and he said, um, well, a few years ago, we had a really, really hard time in our family. And And I thought about that at the time and I thought our family just seemed like the relationships were ripped to shreds and so many sad things And then I thought to myself, nobody can take Narnia away from our family. We all had that other world. We all had Swallows and Amazons. And when I went to England last year, I sat on the banks of Lake Coniston, which is where they had Swallows and Amazon. And I, I sent a picture out to all my kids and I just sat there and sobbed because I had been there before in my imagination and I had been there with my children. Now, one of the hard things I learned, moving on to something negative, (laughs) was that you have to inspect what you expect. This is my least favorite thing to talk about because I wish it wasn't true. I wish our children were just so wonderful as we sort of think they are, but they're really not. And in our family, when, when when I say I had eight boys and one daughter and I say it was chaotic, I don't know how to explain that as, <laughs> in a way that people can understand, but let's just say things blew up. And I don't mean that metaphorically. Um, one, one autumn, I went out to the store, and I, when I came back, I went to our little town, I went to the big town, I came back to our little town, I was paying our water bill at our little town, And the lady behind the desk looked at me and she looked at my check and she looked at me and she looked at my check and she said, I think there was an explosion at your house. And I looked at her and I said, probably. (laughs) Um, I I, I could tell it was probably okay by what she had said, but she said "Our, our little guy, our local police officer who we call Barney Fife had gone down to check on the kids and one of my sons had taken a bunch of these autumn leaves and put them in a metal barrel And he packed them down, and he poured some kerosene. He packed more leaves, and he poured some more kerosene. And he just kept doing that. Then he threw a match on it, and the whole town, it went boom, and the whole town of Elkmont, Alabama shook. They said windows were rattling. Um, I definitely believe in guardian angels, um, um, because he only lost his eyebrows in that explosion. (laughs) But so when I say things were chaotic, and honestly, that was not the only explosion, not, not even, we had the fire department at our house three times over the years. Some, some of it wasn't our fault, but uh, some of it was. <laughs> um, I would, ta- but when I say that about inspect what you expect, some of our, sometimes the boys had a little bedroom up in the attic, and I would say, is your bedroom clean? And they would say, Yes. And so, me and my hopeful attitude would, would believe them. And then I would let a couple of weeks go by, and then I would go up in their bedroom. And I would just, I don't know why, but every single time I was shocked because <laughs> the room was absolutely horrible. So, I would sit down on the floor and I would cry. <laughs> then we would call off our school for the day and we'd clean the room. You know when you' when your bedroom is dirty, it's not that big of a deal. But when you're not inspecting your children's math or the things that they're doing, then you really help you're kind of encouraging them to lie and cheat. I mean, it's not because they're terribly bad children. It's just because that's the way we are as humans. when When we don't have accountability, we kind of slide and slip. And it's mom's job to, as a homeschooling mom to provide that accountability. At the height of my homeschooling career, I had seven children in school, a baby, and a toddler. So it's easy kind of for me to understand why I didn't check their math every day, and yet looking back over that, I wish that I had done what I could because we would find out someone hadn't done their math for maybe three or four months, or they, that happened more than once, and hope springs eternal in the mother's breast, but...
0: We'll be back with Cindy Rollins in just a moment. The beauty of homeschooling is that it gives our children something no other school can offer. It gives them time. Time to explore, play, experiment, think their own thoughts, and pursue their own passions. It gives them more time to go more deeply into subjects, to study topics for longer times, and to be bored by inactivity, which leads to creative ideas. When children go from one class to the next, followed by extracurricular activities, sports, and then homework all evening, when do they get to experience the wonder of childhood? We are all natural learners. We can learn anywhere and anytime. Whether you choose to have formal studies or give your children the freedom to study and explore interests on their own, shake free the chains of convention and give your children a life of learning and adventure. We all desire to give our children the best advantages in life, to prepare them to be responsible adults. But sometimes we forget that before we can be adults, we must be children. If you wanna give your kids the best chance at being healthy adults, give them a childhood. Dear friend, don't let a bustling culture determine the needs of your own children. You get to choose how they grow up. You can protect their time, energy, and imagination. You are the gatekeeper of the garden of their childhood. now back to Cindy Rollins.
1: Back on the positive side, though, uh, one of the other things I don't regret is how much time we spent out of doors. And I know you guys are all probably excelling at this. Um, I'm kind of laughing because I'm rereading Charlotte Mason's home education right now. And almost, Charlotte is almost absurd in her recommendations to moms. Don't tell anybody I said that because (laughs) I could literally be murdered for that Um, (laughs) but she says go outside for five hours a day with your children uh, each day well well that's a that is a little much but uh, but every single day that you take a nature hike and you maybe you don't have school that day that is a school day in the bag in this technological age there's hardly anything that we do more important than getting our children out of doors now, in our family, I wasn't very good at getting us out of doors and bringing the nature notebooks. I could get us outside, but I, I just couldn't do all the paraphernalia. I have other friends who just did that so well. So I came up with a hack, and it wasn't called a hack when I came up with it, but that's what we call it now. It, I, what we started doing was we started doing our nature notebooks during morning time, So while I I was reading a book that I knew they especially liked, one of the fun books that we did at the end, they would get out their nature notebooks and they would get out a um, field guide or one of the beautiful books that um, people do on nature and they would just draw in their nature notebooks. One of the cool things about that as a consequence of doing that year after year after year is that we have a lot of nature notebooks. Now, some of my kids we um, were very, very talented. And some of my children were not when it came to nature notebooks. <laughs> Last year, a lady asked me if I would bring my nature notebooks to um, a conference so she could kind of get an idea of what they look like. Well, I looked around the house and I could only find the ones done by very small people or singularly untalented ones. <laughs> And, and I had a big decision to make, but I, I try so hard to be real and authentic. So I said, I'm, I'm just going to have to give up all my bona fides, and I'm going to have to take this to show her. She picked up the nature notebooks and she looked at them. And finally, when she was done, she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, now I know that we can do this. <laughs> but, and, and she thanked me. She said, thank you very much. Edith Schaefer used to say, if you want all or nothing, you get nothing. And that is pretty much how it goes um, across the board in our homeschools. If we want all or nothing, we're usually going to get nothing. We might have big plans, but it's the little things that we do, as I said before, that really add up. Now, the last thing I want to tell you about the mistakes I made as a homeschooling mom was that... um, I thought it was all up to me. As if by bringing children into the world, I was now responsible for every emotion they had, every sickness, whether, you know, a cavity, whether they were predisposed to melanoma or weird moles or their ACT scores, just everything was on me. And I was going to make sure that everything turned out perfectly for each of my children. Well, that isn't how it worked out. Um, Because I imagined both my love and my power to be far greater than they actually were. Um, It turns out that I am not Dr. Frankenstein. I am not putting my children together with an arm here and a leg here and a personality here. That's not my job and it never was. And I think in the early years of homeschooling, there was a mistaken feeling that we were... The creators are the producers of our children, but our children are not our products. Um, one of the things, how many of you are second generation homeschoolers here? Yeah, that is amazing. That is very amazing. You know, your moms made a lot of mistakes. I'm sure you know what they are. I'm sure... Uh, <laughs> But, you know, you, it's, it's such a blessing for you because you don't have to make any of those mistakes. You, you are free now. Your mom has wiped out a whole class of mistakes that you, you get to do better than she did. And you get to also learn from her example. So don't be mad at your homeschool, old homeschooling moms. <laughs> be merciful to them. They really, really were trying hard to get it right, just like you are. So, so that's a little glimpse into some of the ups and downs in my family. Um, on the negative side, I thought it was all up to me and I, and, and I did not inspect nearly enough what I expected. But on the positive side, we went outside a lot and we for 30 years we had a, a morning routine um, called morning time. Now I wanna tell you one more story um, as, we, as we come close to the end here. Um, when I was visiting my dad at the nursing home, one day I finally got down this other hall that I hadn't been down before, and there was a lady in that, on that hall, and she was sitting there, she had very white hair, she looked very, very old, and she couldn't really talk, but she was holding a baby doll. And I found out that they use baby dolls as therapy for older people which I thought was wonderful, especially for older women. If they're crying or or sad a lot, they give them a baby doll. Well, the next day, I walked down that hall again, and I saw that lady again. And this time, she had her shirt pulled up, and she was nursing the baby doll. Well, that really got me. I, 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 it was as if I could see where I was gonna be in 20 or 30 years. (laughs) I'm gonna be back nursing babies. Thankfully, I enjoyed those long midnight hours of nursing, but um, as a young woman, I wanted to know how to live my life well, and I didn't understand where the older women were. I wanted the older women to help me, and I could not find them. Now that I'm an older woman, I, I know where the older women are, and I know why they're so hard to find. Like me, many older women have made a lot of mistakes. Some of the mistakes I made while raising my children are funny. Some are unfortunate. And a couple are devastating. And yet, even in the midst of really, really hard things, we had a family and we raised them and we loved them and we taught them at home. And there are so many wonderful things that came out of that, even in spite of the awful, awful mistakes but sometimes the older women don't think the younger women wanna hear those negative stories. You guys wanna go hear how to go out there and kick butt and have the perfect family, and we wish, we wanna tell you that. We want, but we also want you to know when you look up one day and you find out that your children aren't perfect, and it usually happens kinda quickly, you know, (laughs) 11 or 12, by then, most moms have the, you know, the, the blinders have come off, we want you to know it's okay. It's still okay at this point in time. It's, your family is not going to be perfect. Your children are born persons. That means they, they, they come with all the rights and abilities of a human person, all the same rights and abilities that you have. I was watching this show, Madam Secretary, and the, it, the show is the lady's the Secretary of State for the United States, and so she deals with problems in the whole world And then she has this beautiful family and a very handsome husband at home, and she's always dealing with their problems. So in this particular episode, she did a very bad job of handling the the world mistake and a very bad job of of dealing with her daughter. And in the end of the episode, she's walking with her husband, and she says, write this on my tombstone. She tried hard, but people still got hurt. And I turned to my husband, and I said, write that on mine too. (laughs) We try hard. We want to have beautiful, perfect nests. You know, we're going to be building our nests and they're not going to be perfect. We got to use the materials we've been given. Some of us have been given better materials than others. Do you know that without the best materials, you can still build a beautiful nest for your family? So I'm going to end right here with two quick ideas that I think are the most helpful for homeschooling. Number one, just do it. You don't have to have a big plan. You know, if there's something that's nagging at you and making you feel guilty, like maybe you're not reading picture books to your little guys enough. Get up right now and go to your children and read those picture books. I used to do that when I was reading homeschooling books. I'd be sitting there feeling worse and worse and worse when I'm reading the book, and then I thought, no, I don't have to wait until I make a plan. I can do this right now. You wanna take a nature walk? Just walk out the door. You can even keep your flip-flops on. You don't have to go get, the, you know, get the, all the kids ready. It, and then you don't do it. One day we did that in the rain, it was storming. And, I, and I'm not recommending that because you could be hit by lightning. But I was so frustrated at how I kept delaying our nature, nope, our nature walks that I ended up saying, no, I don't care if, the, if it says it's gonna thunderstorm, we're gonna go anyway. And we went, and we had one of the best hikes that we've ever had. It was absolutely beautiful, and it it was just wonderful. But you don't need anybody's permission or anybody's plan to start doing what you know—the thing that's nagging at you. Um, we, We think some. The plans are fun. I loved planning. But as you can see from what I said earlier, all of my plans weren't actually everything that was really happening in my home. And finally, I would like to say to you guys, if you can, while you're homeschooling your children, smile. <laughs> um, it is hard to live with grumpy people. I went through um, 20 years of having somebody in, in puberty in my home. <laughs> and it's, it's not the puberty, like this puberty, yeah, that's nothing. Your kid's in puberty, so what? I, but you accumulate puberty up for 20 years. <laughs> And you get tired of having somebody grumpy in your home all the time. So mom, you don't be that grumpy person. You know, if you want to have a happy home, you're going to have to start with a happy face. You are doing something absolutely wonderful with your children. You are providing them with something unbelievably wonderful You can smile. It's okay. I know you feel burdened down. I know that you feel like it's all on you. But if you will smile, your family will be drawn to you and love you, and it won't really matter what curriculum you pick out. So um, as we end here, I used to seem, it used to seem to me that I would be nursing and pregnant and homeschooling forever. And as much as I enjoyed it, it just seemed like it would never end. But now all of a sudden, here I am. My last son is getting ready to graduate from high school. I have 10 grandchildren and I'm I'm no longer the person that I used to be. The seasons of my life changed. I don't know what season that you find yourself in today. I can... I'm guessing that you find it challenging, as most of us do. Um, My advice to you is to be faithful in the small things. Um, Those are the things that add up in the end. Uh, You can't do it all, but you can do the next thing. So put on a smile and go out there and do it. And Godspeed, ladies.
0: Thanks, Cindy. Friends, don't forget about our new book, Handcrafts, which just came out this month. Whether it's making felted acorns, paper beads, or bug hotels, I hope this book will inspire you and your kids to create beauty, work with your hands, and discover a skillful craft together. Most of all, I hope these activities bring you delight as you pursue the lost art of handcrafts. To learn more, go to bewildandfree.org handcrafts. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but join us again next week for the Wild and Free podcast.